So I'm actually considering trying this just as an experiment by leaving some hardneck bulbs in the garden in a permanent location and then allowing them to flower and produce these bulbs and see what kind of bulbs I can get out of it for planting. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. First off, if you tried to listen in to last Friday's episode and found the audio a bit confusing, you're not alone. Something happened to the order of the clips when I uploaded that episode, and I didn't even hear it until the following day. And I've not had any time at all in and around all the garden work going on right now to go in there and fix it. And I'm honestly not sure that I'll find the time this week either. So we'll chalk it up as being the finale to the crappy week I had last week and uh, maybe move on, shall we? Thanks for understanding. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we are talking garlic. Maybe you've seen everybody's pictures of their beautiful garlic harvests lately and wondered if you can grow it too. In fact, my friend Brandy was just messaging me this week about how much seed garlic she should order, and we marveled at how impressive a garlic harvest looks when it really is so simple to grow. And now is the time to be ordering that seed garlic and prepping the beds for fall. So today I'll cover all the basics you need to know about growing your own fabulous harvest of garlic. So first things first, the basics. The scientific name for garlic is Allium sativum. It's in the genus Allium along with other onions, which all fall under the family Amaryllidaceae. And yes, that's the Amaryllis family. They are almost all perennial bulbing, flowering plants, and garlic is no different. Garlic originated in the middle part of Asia, some researchers going so far as to identify West China specifically, but there are records of Sumerians um, in the 2600 to 2100 BC time frame actively utilizing garlic for its healing qualities, uh, and there's a belief that they may have brought the garlic to China, although others definitely maintain that it was the Egyptians who had the corner on the garlic market to begin with. So let's talk about the cultural significance and ethnobotanical uses. Remember, ethnobotany is the study of a region's plants and their practical uses through the traditional knowledge of a local culture and its people. Um, these uses are cited as a historical and anthropological resource, so never ingest the parts of a plant without being absolutely positive of its effect upon the human body. So in ancient China, um, garlic was one of the most used remedies for all kinds of maladies. Um, in ancient Indian medicine, garlic was a valuable remedy used as a tonic uh, to cure a lack of appetite, common weakness, cough, skin disease, rheumatism, all kinds of things. Um, like I mentioned, the, the Egyptians 
also used garlic quite a bit as a medicinal plant as well. And eventually they actually used garlic very heavily to feed their slaves uh, to make them stronger and capable of doing more work. In fact, the Egyptian crypts are the oldest visible inscriptions for the existence of garlic. Archaeologists have discovered clay sculptures of garlic bulbs dating from 3700 BC. The list of cultures that highly revered garlic for both medicinal purposes and for food just goes on and on, from ancient Israelis and Greeks to Tibetans and Romans. Throughout history, garlic has been used as a remedy during all kinds of epidemics, such as typhus, dysentery, cholera, influenza. And whenever an epidemic has emerged, garlic has been the first preventative and curative remedy. Now, a lot of this actually holds up in modern day uh, studies. They've actually shown that garlic has both antibiotic and antibacterial properties. It's been shown to be useful to treat respiratory diseases and to prevent or shorten the common cold. And it's been studied as an antioxidant and an antihypertensive and is currently being heavily studied as an anti-carcinogenic. So how does garlic fare nutritionally? A three gram clove of garlic contains around four and a half calories, zero fat, one gram of carbs, and no sugars. But it is a good source of vitamin B6, manganese, selenium, and vitamin C. And it's also a good source of some other minerals like uh, phosphorus and calcium, potassium, iron, and copper. So it's highly nutritious, it's low in calories, and high in other possible health benefits. So it's no wonder that garlic has been so popular for literally thousands of years. So let's jump into the cultivation of garlic. Garlic is a cooler season crop being planted very late in the fall or the early winter, depending on your area, and not being harvested until about six months later in the late spring or the early summer. Uh, traditional wisdom here in the Midwest has always said, plant it on the longest day of the year. I'm sorry, plant it on the shortest day of the year and harvest it on the longest day of the year. So basically plant it on the winter equinox and then harvest it on the summer equinox. And while those dates aren't necessarily spot on, they are pretty close to when we have traditionally planted our garlic. Of course, your climate will be different. Garlic should be planted in a fertile, well-drained soil. Raised beds work very well for this. Um, just make sure you remove any kind of stones or other impedance from the top like six inches of the soil and then work in several inches of compost or some well-rotted manure into the bed. Um, if your soil has or your soil test has shown that your fertility is a little lacking, then go ahead and add a balanced fertilizer or an amendment at this point, like just a 10-10-10 fertilizer as you're prepping the bed in the fall. Now, since planting is done in the fall, the early to midsummer, like right now, is when you'll be ordering your seed garlic. Your first garlic crop should come from certified seed garlic to make sure that there's no diseases coming along for the ride. And then once you get your first crop, it's okay to cure the best ones and use those as your seed garlic for the next season, so long as there has been no indication of disease. Now, there are two different types of garlic. There is hardneck and there is softneck. 
And the most obvious difference between hard neck and soft neck garlic is their appearance. Hard necks have a long flowering stem that grows through the center of the bulb. This flowering stalk is called a scape. Now, generally, the scape is removed from the bulb to force energy into bulb growth rather than into flowering. And these scapes are edible. We use them just like a chive or a green onion, but one that has a really garlicky kick. In fact, garlic scape pesto is a favorite spring treat of mine. But if you leave the scape intact, it produces an umbel, a terminal pod in which um, is actually produced some bulbs. Although they usually need two or more seasons growth before they produce a differentiated bulb, you will see these little bulbs formed in the scape and they can be removed from the scape when they're mature and planted in the same way as cloves. So I'm actually considering trying this just as an experiment by leaving some hard neck bulbs in the garden in a permanent location and then allowing them to flower and produce these bulbs and see what kind of bulbs I can get out of it for planting. So the bulb surrounding the scape of a hardneck variety basically has one single layer of pretty consistently shaped cloves. The number of cloves is going to vary depending on the cultivar, but it tends to be between four and 12 for hardneck varieties. Most of the ones that I've planted have been somewhere between five and eight. Now, softneck cultivars, on the other hand, have a much larger number of cloves and generally a larger bulb. And these are the types that you usually see in the grocery store. Usually soft neck varieties produce between eight and 20 cloves per bulb. And some of them can go as high as in the thirties. Um, the the cloves are usually pretty irregular in shape, but they're in two layers, each one wrapped in their own skin. So this much higher number of cloves um, really is likely to kind of compensate for the lack of a flowering stalk. Softnecks don't usually produce escape. Um, maybe sometimes under really stressful conditions, a softneck type might sort of bolt and grow a sort of pseudo stem, which would subsequently produce a small number of little bulbs at the top, but that's very rare. Generally speaking, hardneck varieties tend to grow better in areas with more severe winters. They require a greater period of vernalization than the softneck cultivars. So a prolonged period of cooler weather is ideal for the hardnecks. But in turn, softnecks tend to perform better in areas where the winters are mild. Now, where we are in zone 6A, we can grow both hardneck and softneck. And I usually grow both just to hedge my bets because we can have some pretty brutal winters sometimes. But after last year's awful cold that we had here for a really prolonged period of time, my soft neck still outperformed my hard neck. So I'm thinking I may just grow more soft neck from now on. So besides climate, why would you want to choose one over the other? Hardneck cultivars tend to have a little bit more of a complex flavor profile than the softneck ones. They're a little richer. They're a little spicier. They just are more garlicky. Um, hardneck cultivars also tend to have larger individual cloves. So even though there's fewer of them, they have that more regular shape and they have a thicker skin, which makes them really easy to peel. 
Soft neck varieties, on the other hand, tend to be a little bit more mild in flavor, although I've had some really good soft neck varieties, and they are absolutely sublime if you drizzle them with olive oil and just roast them on the grill. The soft neck are also perfect for drying into garlic powder, and that's actually the soft necks are the ones that are most often used for processed garlic products. The cloves of the soft neck cultivars are more difficult to peel because like I said, the shapes are a little bit more irregular and the skins are super tight and thin. But this gives them an advantage in storage though, and we'll touch on that later. So for in-ground cultivation of garlic, regardless of whether it's a soft neck or a hard neck, planting is relatively simple. You just separate the cloves from the bulb and you leave the skins intact and then space the cloves four to six inches apart in rows about 12 to 18 inches apart. The cloves should be planted with the pointed end up and the blunt end with the roots down. Push the clove about an inch or two into the ground and just sort of firm the soil around it and that's basically it. Now if you're a northern gardener and I mean north of like zone seven, You'll want to heavily mulch your garlic to avoid frost damage and frost heave. Frost heave is when, you know, the, the ground sort of freezes and thaws and it causes things to kind of rise and, and descend in the soil. And it can cause the garlic to sort of pop up out of the ground if it's not protected. A good four to six inches of straw or chopped leaves is a great mulch for garlic. It will slowly flatten out as the winter progresses and it'll not only protect the garlic cloves, but also provide a great weed barrier in the spring when growth starts again. Now, if you're in a climate that doesn't see a lot of heavy freezes, the mulch may not be necessary, but I still recommend at least a thin layer to help with the weeds and to help retain moisture. Now, depending on when you plant, you may see a little growth begin in the late fall, and that's okay. Frost damage on the green growth that pops up isn't going to be detrimental to the plant. The plant will go dormant and begin growing again in the spring. Now, if you want to be sure there isn't any above-ground growth in the fall, just wait to plant until it's close to your Persephone period, the period where daylight hours drop below 10 hours a day, as possible. Just make sure you plan to get the garlic in the ground before it freezes solid or you'll end up planting in the spring. Which is a good point. If you miss the planting dates in the fall or you don't get your seed garlic in time, you can absolutely plant in the spring. Just know that the bulbs won't get nearly as big as they would if you plant in the fall, but any crop is better than no crop. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You've heard me talk about First Saturday Lime, the environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides that we use on our farm. We use it everywhere, in the gardens, in the chicken coops, in the pig pastures, and around the outside of our home. First Saturday Lime created a non-caustic formula that is tough on bugs, but totally safe for humans and pets. And now, as a listener of the Just Grow Something podcast, First Saturday Lime can be your favorite natural pest control, too. 
You can save 20% off your first order by using the code JUSTGROW at checkout at firstsaturdaylime.com. It's a super strong formula derived from eco-friendly products, and it's so effective, I have a 20-pound bag delivered every month to use on the first Saturday. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code JUSTGROW for 20% off your first order. Now, you can grow garlic in containers the same way that you would grow onions. Just choose the biggest pot you can and one that is at least six inches deep. Space the bulbs accordingly, about four to six inches apart, and be sure to keep the pot in full sun. This is not an instance where I recommend bringing a pot in over the winter, but I do recommend pulling it up against a structure or mulching around the outside of the pot to keep the soil from freezing solid and damaging the cloves in areas that see a deep freeze. In the spring, when the days begin to lengthen and get warmer, put the pot back out in the full sun again and let it do its thing. Alternatively, you can also just go ahead and plant them in the spring in your pots and you won't have to worry about pulling them back against a building. Now, no matter where you grow your garlic, you'll see shoots coming up early in the spring. And this is when you may want to add a side dressing of a good slow-release nitrogen amendment. A, a teaspoon of blood meal or feather meal can be gently worked into the soil near each one of the plants if you didn't get enough amendments in during the fall before planting. And if the mulch has decomposed, you can add an additional layer to help retain moisture and keep weeds under control. Now, if you planted hardneck cultivars, the scapes will make their appearance sometime in the late spring. Once those reach about 6 to 12 inches tall, cut them off to ensure that the plant directs its energy to the garlic bulb and not to the umbel. This is also about the time that the plants will stop producing new leaves and begin forming their bulbs. This is the time that you'll want to pull back the mulch and stop watering. The garlic will store better if you allow the soil around the bulbs to dry out a little bit before you harvest. Now, obviously, if you're experiencing rains, this won't be possible, but pulling the mulch away from the plant may help a little bit with this. Let's talk about pests really quick. The number of pests that plague garlic definitely depends on your area. Some of them include bulb mites, leaf miners, black onion aphids, nematodes, onion maggots, and thrips. Basically, anything that goes after your onion plants is going to attack your garlic. Now, we haven't had any of these here, knock on wood, but I know some areas face these pests quite regularly. A lot of these pests are actually pretty resistant to chemical pesticides, so your best bet is to manage them through cultural practices like crop rotation and to avoid planting garlic right after other crops that also play host to those same pests, specifically brassicas and corn a lot of the time. You can also control some of these through beneficial insects as well. Like I said, I can't really speak to any of these in my garlic, but I will put a link in the show notes to a good article that details these pests and the ways to control them. Another thing I can't really speak to from personal experience is diseases in garlic plants. I do know that garlic can be prone to different fungal diseases like basil rot, white rot, and downy mildew, but once again, that's nothing that we've ever seen here. Most of the major diseases of anything in the allium family are soil-borne, though. So once again, 
proper crop rotation is another major deterrent here. I will link to a great fact sheet from Cornell University that has the major symptoms and signs of garlic diseases and how to avoid them. So how do you know when it's time to harvest your garlic? You'll know when to harvest garlic when the tips of most of the leaves have started to turn brown and the bottom set of leaves have started to die back. Now, the timing for this is going to depend on your climate, but generally, if you're growing hardneck varieties, it's about a month or so after those scapes have formed. For me, in my area, this is around the middle of June. Just look for the signs around the beginning of the summer. If the bulbs are left too long in the ground, they may separate and they will not store well. So make sure you're keeping an eye on those plants. Each one of those leaves on the plant represents a layer of skin on those cloves. So the more leaves that die off, the more of the layers are disintegrating under the ground. So the less protected those bulbs are going to be. So once you see the leaves dying back, dig the bulbs up, being careful not to bruise them. Don't just grab the stalk and pull either. This is a surefire way to damage the bulbs or to separate them under the soil. Lay the garlic plants out to dry for about three to four weeks in a cool area out of direct sunlight with good air circulation. Now I use my seedling room because it's nice and cool and I have fans circulate in the area. So I just bunch about 10 plants together and hang them from the shelves and have the fans blowing toward them to let them just dry out that way. You can use a basement or a garage or a barn. Any cool area will do. And then when the roots feel dry and brittle, just rub them right off along with any loose dirt. You'll also see that all the stalks and the stems have all dried as well. So here let's talk about storage, right? You've got them all cured up <clears throat> and now it's time to store your garlic. This is where the tight layered skins of the soft neck cultivars um, will come in handy. While they're a little slightly more inconvenient when peeling, they do tend to store longer than the hard neck types. The skins are so much tighter around the neck of a soft neck garlic it prevents moisture and disease from getting in more effectively than with a hardneck. Some varieties of hardneck will only store for as little as four months, but they're softnecks that in the right storage conditions can stay in good shape for up to a year. So due to the softer neck of the softneck varieties, you can braid these after curing, which is not only a good storage method, but it's also very attractive hanging in the kitchen. Um, hardneck varieties will need to be bunched instead. The, 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 the neck on those is just too stiff to be able to effectively braid. Either type can be stored hung up like this, or they can be dehydrated and turned into granules, or you can dice them and store them in water or olive oil in the fridge. You can also just cut the stem a few inches above the bulb and store them that way on screens or on slatted shelves in a cool, airy location. Just make sure during the winter months you're checking on your stored garlic bulbs pretty often and use any right away that are showing signs of sprouting. Now, I generally decide how much I need to get us through the year plus what I'll need for the spice blends that I sell at market and use the smallest bulbs that I've harvested for those purposes. 
I make one braid from some of the prettiest soft neck to hang in the kitchen, and the remaining biggest bulbs from both types get held back to be replanted. So choosing the largest cloves to replant means that they've got more energy stored up to produce bigger bulbs when they're put back into the ground. Now, alternatively, you can just store and use everything you harvest and purchase all brand new seed stock for the next planting date. So that's it for garlic. I hope this episode helped take some of the mystery out of planting this wonderful, universally loved crop. If you have any questions at all, jump into the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. It's a great community of gardeners and food lovers, and I'm in there daily and can answer any questions that you have about growing garlic. So join me back here on Friday for another hopefully less jumbled Focal Point Friday. And until then, have a fabulous week in the garden and go order your garlic. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.